Tonight here at, at Ground Zero Meetings, we're going to continue down the, the messages of the ABCs, and, and tonight we're going to be talking about G-O-D. That God is this word that gets misused a lot. All throughout this earth, people believe in gods. But there is only truly one real God. And throughout our lives, even growing up in the church, we misunderstand God. I know for me, as a young man, I was going to church in my adolescence and up into my teenage years and when I went on to college you know I, I got myself into a lot of drugs and alcohol and relationships and you know turned away from God and, and the pain in my life made me believe that there was no God that how can there be a God if I've suffered so much you know so I made substances and people gods in my life and in my walk of life you know you know coming into recovery you know coming into 12-step recovery and Alcoholics Anonymous you know they tell you you need this higher power you know and I rejected that idea because there can be no such thing as God. And, you know, many months went by and trying to figure out how to stay sober in my own strength and coming to, to the realization that there's areas in my life that I don't like and there's nothing I can do to change it. You know, and, and being very bitter and anger, angry, and complaining about every little tiny thing in my life and that nothing is the way that I think that it should be and I have this entitlement that it, I believe that everything should come to me because I have this painful life that everyone owes me and everything owes me and nothing's ever enough and I have a disease of more that it doesn't matter what it is I want more of it And one day, a woman confronted me, and, you know, and said, "All you do is come to these meetings and complain. The least you could do is pray about it." You know, and it made me very angry. You know, that how dare you tell me to pray? You know, I'm an atheist. You know, I don't believe in that mumbo jumbo. But from that day forward. Every time I would go to complain, I'd hear this little voice tell me to pray about it. You know, and I, I pass that on to you that I know that sometimes we struggle with complaining. And we also struggle with not praying. So I hope that the Holy Spirit plants this seed in all of you, as he did me many years ago, is that when I'm really trying to complain about my situations, that I, I turn to to God and ask for his wisdom and guidance 
And some weeks went by, and this little voice was harassing me, and I came to terms that there was nothing I could do about my anger and my shame. And one night, I, I uttered words into the universe. Take my anger, take my anger, take my anger. And help me to forgive myself, help me to forgive myself, help me to forgive myself. But I was still so arrogant that I did not make it in any sort of a prayer form. It was a command. I didn't say God, but being broken and desperate enough, I said that every night before I went to the bed. Many weeks had passed and nothing had happened as many times that we have prayed in times of desperation and we've seen no real change or we didn't have this spiritual experience, no angels in the room, no aha moments. You know, there's times that we pray and, and it seems like our prayers go on deaf ears to the God of our understanding. And yet, I went to bed one night and nothing was really different. And I woke up and things were different. And I have no real explanation other than that very statement is that I went to bed one way and I woke up a different way. Now... I did not confess my sins to my Lord Jesus Christ in that moment. But I knew that there was some sort of something out there. There was some sort of God. Because this prayer stuff was starting to work. And I went on the journey of seeking out many different things. I, I got myself into some Wicca stuff and some oils and sprays. And I used to carry around a pocket full of rocks with words on them. And beads and this, that, and the other thing. Because they were going to make stuff better. But as I sought things out, as the program of Alcoholics Anonymous tells us, God could and would, if he were sought, deliver us from the seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. Now that can be drugs and alcohol, that can be porn, that can be fornication, that can be food, that can be just about anything that we get so fed up with who we are and where we're at in life, that we are seemingly hopeless in this place in our lives and we have nowhere else to turn. And we've turned back to the very things that are destroying us so many times and it continues to end up worse and worse each time. But I started to realize that as I seek out these different spiritual experiences that you run into this this fork in the road that is intertwined, that good and evil hang out way too much. And I remember thinking, it's like, you know, if I go down this road that, you know, it opens up the door to this dark stuff, and I'm like, why would you want to be on the losing team? So lo and behold, deep down inside, the roots of my Christianity growing up in the church as a little kid seeds had been planted without me even realizing it and without me even wanting it. So I, I, I threw my pile of rocks away and I threw all these sprays and oils away and I, and I realized that this God of my understanding, I was just going to have to figure it out on my own. Which basically at that point in my life, basically took me and gave me superpowers and stuck me in the sky so my will be done which got really crazy. 
I prayed all the little prayers that you'll find in, in recovery literature, and I would read morning meditations every morning, and I'd say little prayers at the end of the page, and you know, and I would pray, and I would also notice that the more I prayed about my inner change, that significant things would begin to to shift and to change, and the more I tried to pray to get stuff, that didn't really work out all that well, you know. But there was still a component missing. You know, I had God of my understanding, so I thought. But there was still all this pain on the inside of me. And as much as I, I tried to to really fix my pain and, and pray my pain away, to try to change certain areas of my life, there were certain character defects and certain dysfunctions and certain lifestyle issues that were very prominent and that I didn't think it was a big deal because my higher power, me in the sky with superpowers, was totally okay with fornication and stealing everything I could touch. But my God was trying to keep me sober and he did an okay job as long as I didn't get myself too far in the wrong direction. But lo and behold, I'd get some sobriety and I'd find myself back in the bottom of a bottle in the bottom of a bag again. You know, and why is this God stuff not working? Why is he not answering my prayers? Why is he not doing what I think he should do? Because my will is, should be done. You know, and after a relapse... Once again, going to detox, once again, going back to AA, once again. You know, I came to an AA meeting, and there was a young lady there telling me that they were doing a new small group at their church, and I should come. And I said, in my mind, I'm like, it can't hurt me. And off to church I went. I mean, this is the, the time that I walked through the door of Celebrate Recovery for the first time, and that was approximately June of 2005. And the young woman who was teaching the, the group at that point was talking about Jesus in a way that I'd never heard. Even though I grew up in church, she was telling me that there was nothing that I could ever do that he couldn't forgive me for. That he loved me no matter what. That he wanted to have a relationship with me more than I could ever know. That he wanted to change my life and he wanted to heal me. And he was never going to let go of me. And I remember sitting there and I'm crying. Because I have all this pain on the inside of me that I can't get rid of, no matter how hard I try, that God is somehow failing me. You know, and I remember I, I went to Celebrate Recovery several weeks, and I, I started hanging out with some of them weird Christians. And I woke up one Sunday morning and had this brilliant idea that if I'm going to be serious about this God stuff, that I should probably go to church. You know, and I called the cab, and I ended up going to church that morning. And I remember that 
the preaching was Holy Spirit led and it really just hit me and to this day I can't remember anything that was preached but I remember just being glued into this man's words and at the end of the sermon he said that anybody want to accept Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior and I was up out of my chair and headed towards the front of the church without even realizing it you know it you know, and I was asked to accept the Lord that day, and and all I could think about is I'm about to become religious. What are you doing? And I took a step back, and I had my hands on my head, and I'm like, "Oh my goodness, what are you doing?" And the pastor asked me, well, "Why did you come up here?" And I was like, "I don't even know." Like, this is crazy. I'm about to become one of them freaks. And I'm thinking and processing, and and he's telling me that if I accept Jesus, that he's going to come into my heart and fill me to overflowing. And I'd always thought that I was this black hole, that no matter what, I got around, no matter what people I got around, if I got around you, your life would begin to suck because I was so broken that no matter how many drugs or alcohol or women or money, it was never enough. I just couldn't fill the void. And this man is telling me if I accept Jesus that this void inside of me is going to be healed or filled. And I accepted Jesus that day, not because I wanted to go to heaven, not because I was afraid to go to hell, because I couldn't really tell you if I believed in either one of those places. But I accepted Jesus that day because I needed the pain to stop. And many of us believe in God. And I would even say many of us believe in Jesus, but we still have all this pain on the inside of us. And it just doesn't go away. We, we try to do the right things. We try to do what we think God would want us to do. And, and yet there's this black hole still on the inside of us. So how can that be? If I believe in God and you know, I even believe in Jesus, how come there's this emptiness that I still carry? Why is there this pain that I still carry? You know, and I began to to go to church and I nothing changed. I was still fornicating with this girl and still stealing everything I touched because it Going to church and Jesus was still just about me getting what I wanted. You know, I wanted to get sober. So Jesus was going to do that. So I'm praying to get Jesus to give me what I want. You know, and eventually I even started reading the Bible and they tell me what you pray for in Jesus' name that he gives you according to his will and purposes. And I'm like, I got the, the magic card. I'm going to pray to Jesus to give me what I want. So instead of me being in that this guy with superpower, and I had this guy, Jesus, and this guy with superpowers, and he was going to give me what I wanted. So I traded I traded up a little bit, I thought. But still, Jesus wasn't behaving. Because I was still the Lord of my own life. I was still God, and Jesus was my sidekick. And he was my, you know... 
genie in a bottle. I'm going to make a wish and Jesus is going to give me what I want. And I, I think I had just enough Jesus with some prayers and some going to church that it, it, it kept me sober from week to week. And the first week I skipped church because the girl I'd been sleeping with woke up on my bed one Sunday morning and she's like, are we going to church? And in my head I'm like, oh, hell no. I'm not taking you to church and let those people know what I'm doing out here. And I instantly became the hypocrite that I've been judging my whole entire life. That You act one way when you go to church and you act a completely different way when you're not at church. In the shame of that decision, I was back in the bar and doing cocaine and off to the races I went and left Jesus in the dust and that Jesus stuff doesn't work and that, that church is dumb. That whole praying in the name of Jesus stuff didn't give me what I wanted, so that's hocus pocus. And I became the God of my own understanding once again and seeking for freedom in the bottom of a bottle and the bottom of a bag. And running from God I went. Many months had passed. You know, and being broken once again with nowhere to turn. The day came that I made a decision to try and get sober again, but it was different this time. It's because I made a decision that I was going to do whatever it took. Where in the past, I was always just kind of trying to do it. I'll give this God stuff a try. If it doesn't work out my way, then I'll take my will back. But I never really let go of my will in the first place. It was just my will and throw some Jesus on it, throw some God on it, throw some spirituality on it, throw some rocks on it, throw a spray and an oil on it. My will be done in the name of whatever God I'm trying to choose to get my will accomplished. And I remember surrendering and asking Jesus back into my heart and, and asking Him to forgive me. And as my prayers begin to change. I think all of my years in and out of recovery, I'd never really once ever asked God to take my addiction away. He's just like, God, make me sober. I remember the first time I asked God to take my addiction away and it like it like slipped out of my lips and I was like, whoa, I didn't really mean that. And I had this like revelation. It's like, wait a minute, I'm trying to get sober, but I don't want to stay sober. I prayed about sobriety. I prayed for him to take my addiction, but I'm like, eh. you mean you're going to take all my fun away? And so often we think, of the very things that have caused us the most pain in our life is the very source of our enjoyment, our pain, our, our, our you know, fulfillment, but it's painful, our satisfaction, but it's painful, our relief, but it's painful. And I remember my prayers began to change because I truly wanted freedom. I severely struggled with depression in that time in my life and and I started asking the Lord to heal my mind. You have to take this depression away. 
asking him to start taking my addiction. You know, and back to church I went, try to figure out this Jesus stuff because it didn't work last time. And I remember everyone's talking about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's in the room. God's presence is moving. And I'm like, these people are nuts. And like, this person's speaking in tongues and this person's doing other weird stuff. And I'm like, this place is crazy. And the Holy Spirit kicks in. He's like, you were in a crack house like three weeks ago. What are you saying? I'm like, touche. Checkmate, thanks. This ain't that bad, I guess. I mean, there's a guy waving a gun around a few weeks ago. I guess we can handle this dude making weird noises. And I remember just, you know, coming back to church and the worship music. and It was like nails on a chalkboard. Like I could not handle the music. So I'm like, I'll just show up late. We'll just bypass the music. We don't need that stuff. It's awful anyway. You know, if they drop the beat and start to pick stuff up and start screaming a little bit, maybe we can handle this stuff around here. But these people are obviously lunatics and listen to that crap. Worship music. And I'd show up and I'd hear the word. And, and I remember at, at the end of every service, they'd say, the altar is open. If anyone needs prayer, come on up and get prayer. And every week, I'm at the front of the church. I'm like, oh, I'm absolutely jacked up as jacked up can be. I need prayer. And I'm not even kidding. I think I was at the front of the altar getting prayer every church service for probably eight or nine years. Because I need prayer. Honestly, I, I still don't understand why people don't go up and get prayer. Like because prayer is the, the invitation to ask God into our situations. And sometimes we don't always have the right words to say. And we need to invite other people to pray to the God of this universe to help us to find freedom. But I remember, you know, as I'm trying to figure out this Holy Spirit stuff and people are praying stuff and people are saying, it, just invite the Holy Spirit in. And I'm like, we did that yesterday, but we'll do it again. And nothing's happening. And I remember coming home one night and I'm like thinking about this, you know, God's in the room stuff. I'm like, what if the problem's with me? What if I'm not having an encounter with the Holy Spirit because there's a problem with me? Maybe this re it's real. Maybe maybe this Holy Spirit's real. Maybe the Holy Spirit's actually in the room. Maybe all these people acting weird is that like them they're encountering the Holy Spirit. I'm not sure if I want to do that, but I, if it's real, I want to encounter it. And remember, and this prayer just kind of slipped out of my lips, and I said, God, show me what's in the way between me and you. And I started praying that prayer in the midst of many other prayers. All right, God, show me what's in the way between me and you. All right, God, show me what's in the way between me and you. If this stuff is real, show me what's in the way between me. Come on, God, if this is real, show me what's in the way between me and you. And he began to reveal things that were in the way between me and him, and I got really angry. Oh, you mean like that pornography? That's like in the way? Like, 
and think that was like a really big deal. But like Pornea is in the Bible, but eh, it's like written a long time ago. Does it really matter today? Oh, get rid of the porn. Eh, no, I don't think I'm going to do that. But nice try. We can, I think you can do better. You're like God and stuff. You know, you can, come on. Nice try getting rid of my fun stuff. It's all right, God. Show me what's in the way between me and you. And he would begin to reveal attitudes and stuff in my apartment, people I was hanging out with. And, like, you know, I'm like, all right, I'm willing to get rid of that one, right? Yeah, I can understand that. Oh, but I really like this one. I'm not, no, 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 no. You can do better. And it became this, like, bargaining agreement, you know, that I was, you know, talking to the Lord, and he's really beginning to talk to me. Needless to say, I'm not paying attention to the fact that I'm hearing a voice. It's like, eh, you know, the Holy Spirit's not real. But all of a sudden, I'm having this interaction that I never had before, but wasn't paying any attention to that Holy Spirit idea. But anyway, I remember the very time that the Holy Spirit told me to get rid of my dragon collection. And profanity came out of my mouth, and I quickly told him that, You've gone way too far, Holmes. You just back off my dragon. At that time, I, I had a pretty extensive collection of knickknacks and posters and knives and, and statues and paintings and posters and yada, yada, yada. Hundreds of dragons around my apartment. But he stood his ground being a punk at Jesus because he really wanted me to change some things. And, and I'd pray this prayer, show me what's in the way between me and you. And he would show me, get rid of this stuff, and it, it wouldn't go away. And I'm like, move on to something else. We, you know, we're not doing that. Let's move on to something that's actually applicable to getting in the way of me and you. Because the dragons aren't a big deal. And how often do we do that? That the Holy Spirit says that this relationship or this job or this activity or this recreation thing or the secret time that I spend on my phone or my pornography collection or XYZ is in the way between us and him and we just totally ignore the fact that he's constantly telling us that this thing needs to change and yet we just keep on trying to trucking down the road of our Christianity but we're not paying any attention to the Holy Spirit saying let go of something or change something. And I remember it, it was about six weeks of praying that prayer every day, and he's telling me to get rid of my collection of dragons. And, and finally I was fed up. I'm like, all right, fine. And I started packing them all up. And this one was given to me by an ex-girlfriend, and this one was stolen, and this one was this, and this was that. And there's all these negative, sinful memories hooked to all these different statues and knives and in my house. I'm wrapping them up and I'm like, this is crazy. So he's trying to uproot areas of my past, but I wanted to hang on to areas of my past. So as I'm asking Jesus in to just get closer to me, I don't want to let go of the, the pain that's on the inside of me. It's I just want him to do what I want him to do, but I don't want to do any work on my own side of the street. I want him to behave himself and bless my life. But I don't want to uproot and change and, and deal with the sin in my life. So my God is still me. I believe in Jesus. I'm going to church. I'm even reading my Bible. But 
the God of my understanding is still me. I am still the one calling the shots. And I'm not listening to the Holy Spirit. I'm not even trying to engage areas of the Holy Spirit if He's actually telling me to do or not to do something that I don't like. So my God is still me. And so often as we walk in our our walks of healing and change and recovery, we believe in God, but our faith is still in our own efforts. Because we pray the prayers and it doesn't happen the way we think it should happen. And we pray the prayers and He asks us to change things that we don't want to change. And we just keep on doing it our way and throw some oils and fragrance senses and stones in our pocket. And it's so important that we are obedient. Because that's what makes God God, is that we put Him in this position to be the Master and Lord of our lives. Because I am not God, and you are. Less of me, more of you. But if I'm constantly at war with Him, of who is going to be in charge, we constantly have this war going on that we're losing because we're fighting God. And I remember when I came back this last time, he instantly said, change your music. And like, music is a big deal to me still today. And all of my music got thrown away. I mean, I listen to music most all day, every day. Still today I do that. And I got rid of all my secular music. Because he spoke into my life. It says, garbage in, garbage out. And everything that I listened to was angry and hateful and depressing and suicidal. Talk and glorified drugs and alcohol and, and, and women inappropriately and yada, yada, yada. And all of a sudden I had all this extra money since I wasn't buying so much cocaine. <clears throat> And I went and started buying a bunch of CDs at at the at the different you know CD stores, and people would suggest stuff. I buy it and be like, "That was awful. We're not doing that one again." And I would find other stuff, and, and I really enjoyed it. And I realized that Christian music is a lot like Jesus. If you seek it out, you find stuff you like. You know, and things began to change, and, and you know. I, it was time for me to quit smoking, and, and I laid smoking down, and it was about a week after I quit smoking, I'm, I'm standing outside of the tattoo shop, and I hear this little voice, says, life's not bad, is it? And I'm like, I literally thought someone talked to me. I'm like, eh, that's creepy, I'm going inside. <clears throat> but I really started to reflect that as I was obedient to this voice, it's telling me to let go of stuff, get rid of stuff, change stuff. My life's getting better. Who knew? And I had about six or seven weeks sober at that time. I hadn't really been sober very long, but there had been a a crazy change in my life because I was letting Jesus in and I was actually listening to that little voice that was telling me to do or not do. And I was trying to be obedient to the best of my ability because I had this mindset that I have no idea what I'm doing. I cannot even fool myself at this point in realizing that I have any clue how to stay sober or follow God. So let me just take suggestions and do what 
people are asking me to do and this little voice that doesn't want to leave me alone. It keeps telling me to do stuff I don't want to do. And I remember, in my head, I'm like, life is so much better, and I've only done this little bit of stuff. What's going to happen if I really commit my life to God? And I said, all right, God, here we go. I said, Jesus, I want to serve you in my life. And that got added to my prayers. And God, show me what's in the way between me and you. And he kept showing me stuff I didn't like. And I started, all right, Jesus, I want to serve you. Take my anger, take my anger. God, heal my depression. God, take my addiction. You know, I, my prayer life had changed because there was things in my life I didn't want to do anymore. And I wanted it to truly change. So I, I prayed a lot about it. And I remember saying, Jesus, I want to serve you in my life. And one morning it was like, <laughs> I heard this like chuckle. And it kind of stopped me and, I, and I'm like, did God just laugh at me? And I said it again, Jesus, I want to serve you in my life. And I remember hearing him say, do you even know what that means? And I'm like, kind of stopped me and I'm like thinking, I said, no, I don't, probably don't know what that means, but I, I know that I want to do it because since I've been following you just this little bit, my life has changed so much, and I don't want to drink and you, and I don't want a drug anymore. You know, and if you, you've done that already, if I give you my life, I don't know what you're going to do, but I know that this is what I want to do. And at that point, things took off like a rocket because it was no longer my will be done. It was his will be done. Now, I'm not going to tell you that I've been perfect in all of my years walking with Jesus, because that would be a lie. But I turn stuff over quicker and quicker and quicker and quicker, quicker and quicker, because I know still today my will will create 100% destruction in my life. And Jesus' will continues to produce fruit and build stuff in my life that doesn't make any sense that he's using me to do. That I finally put God in his proper place as the Lord of my life. And as we fight this fight of our flesh and our will, and we finally get to this place where we lay it down completely and say, I'm ready to serve you. Because that's what it's about. It's about deny yourself and follow me. Jesus' words. It's not say a prayer and sit in a pew. It's not go to church on a Sunday. It's be the church. It's not get what you want in my name. It's my will will be accomplished and my name supersedes every other thing. And when we finally put Jesus in his proper place and we allow him to dig out the junk in our lives and, and the pain in our lives and the past in our lives and the the activities that are still present, and we allow him to change us, God becomes God, and our sins are washed away, and the pain is healed, and the black hole is filled up. And no matter how hard we try to throw some spirituality or some Christianity or carry rocks in our pocket, it's not until we finally say, God, you are God. 
Jesus, you paid for my sins and I'm, I'm ready and I'm willing to lay my life down for you as you did for me. Knowing that you might have to let go of some stuff that you don't want to let go of. Knowing that he may take you in a direction that you may not agree with. As I would have never imagined that this is what I'd be doing with my life. And yet here I am. Blown away on a regular basis in awe. Truly in awe of how he moves in my life and those lives around me. Because he is truly the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. He's the captain of the host. He's the God of this universe. He is the big G on top of the hill. And we have to put him in his proper place in our life. We can no longer play these games with our spirituality, our Christianity, our walk with God, or whatever, however you want to phrase it. It's not until that we truly surrender ourselves to him and say, I'm ready to do it your way. And you're not going to do it perfect. I'm not going to do it perfect. No one in the history of following Jesus has ever done it perfect. But it's willing to keep getting up and fighting the fight and laying it down again and laying it down again and praying the prayer and walking it out and doing what he's asking you to do. And you're going to fail a million times, but he keeps being Lord. Because that's who he is and that's what he does. And he loves using broken people that are surrendered to him to do crazy and amazing things. And the first crazy and amazing thing that we have to do is let him into the deepest, darkest places in our lives and say, you know what? I have no ability to heal all this pain, but you do. In Revelation, it says he stands at the door and knocks. So often he stands at the, do the door and knocks on so many areas in our lives. They're like, I don't hear you, Jesus. I'm not listening. No one's home. And it's time for us to let him into some of these areas that we keep closed off to him. And we have this compartmentalized Christianity. And, and we let him in and we want to get sober and we want to get free. But yet we have these secret things that we're still doing. I don't want those people to know what I'm doing. So we're still living this hypocritical life. Not that we're ever going to be perfect. <laughs> But I know for me, I cannot afford any area in my life that's not truly getting surrendered to Jesus because that's an area that can drag me back to the pit of hell. And I've watched it in so many people's lives as they hang on to stuff that's painful and don't really release it to Jesus and make excuses for it and how it leads them back out the door. You know, and the truth of the matter is, is that... That sin is, has a price. Keeps us in places longer we want to stay and it gives us a price that we don't want to pay. And we have to realize that Jesus paid that price so that we could have freedom. But the pathway to freedom is his way, not ours, in Jesus' name. It, it talks about that there's this narrow gate and few find it. But as we lay our lives down and do it his way, we pop out the other side and we're like, I'm so glad that I'm not trying to do it my way anymore. 
and we have to tear down the, the little G's in our lives in, in many different forms, and that's including our own G, which is ourselves, is that we are the we worship ourselves. And we truly have to learn how to worship Jesus because he truly is worth it. You know, and you know, it's important that I convey that it's not about being perfect. Trust me, I don't have all the answers. I just keep showing up and saying, keep using me, keep making me willing, keep healing me, keep digging this stuff out. I keep surrendering, I keep repenting, I keep asking him in, I keep saying I want to do it your way. I keep asking him to heal my mind, I keep asking him to take the stuff that's in me that I know that I don't want. And he keeps showing up and doing stuff. So I just want you to know that this is a process. You know, there is suddenly, I believe that there is power in the name of Jesus. And I've seen it in my life and I've seen it in most of your lives. Is how he shows up and stuff shifts in a minute. And you're like, whoa. And then there's other stuff that it's discipline. You know, he, he uses the grind to, to work on our character. And we don't like it. But he's Jesus. And he's that's the way he wants to do it. What choice do we got? So I just really encourage you to just really evaluate some of the stuff that you're still hanging on to and some of the stuff that you're still fighting with. And, you know, maybe Jesus has got you in a process and you're doing the best you can with it and Jesus has got you under his thumb and he's working on your anointing. And maybe there's other areas that you're just hanging on to it and you just keep hitting yourself in the face. You know, and sometimes it could look the same. It really can look the same, you know, that... Sometimes we go through hard things and it doesn't mean we're in sin. It just means that God's trying to teach us something. And, you know, it's a mystery, but he always ends up teaching us stuff and we always pop out the other side more like Christ. But there's sin in our lives because we're sinners. And are we making excuses for it? Are we justifying it? Are we hiding it? Or are we constantly bringing it back to him and saying, I don't want to live this way, you know, and... Those look the same too sometimes. So he knows our heart. Seems like a cop-out sometimes, but it truly isn't. It's coming before him with your heart and saying, I want to be yours. I want to serve you. I want to do it your way. And you pray the prayers of the stuff that you know needs to change, and you ask him to, to do miracles in your life. And Jesus shows up and, he does it his way and not yours, and it usually is frustrating, and lo and behold, your life gets better. I don't know how many times he's asked me to do stuff, and I don't want to do it, and he asked me to do stuff, and I don't want to do it, and he asked me to do stuff, and I don't want to do it, and he asked me to do stuff, and I finally said, fine, I'll do it, but it's not going to work. And I do it, and it works. I'm like, why you always got to be right? I'm like, why do you keep trying to be right? You know you're not. I'm like, yeah. I have some little G problems still in my life that I, I want to run the show. That I think that my will should be manifested. But it, still to this day, it causes me pain. So I just really encourage you, if you could just bow your heads with me. Lord, I thank you so much. I thank you for what you're doing. I ask that you would move powerfully in our lives, that you would take the, 
the place upon the throne, that we would allow you to take that place, that we would allow you to be our Lord and our Master, that we would surrender ourselves, that we would ask you in, that we would be ready to serve you, that we would be ready to follow you wherever you go, wherever you take us. We're ready to do it your way. That we realize that hanging on to the stuff that causes us pain, hanging on to the stuff that continues to hurt us, is not the way to live. And we truly don't want to live this way, but we don't know how to find freedom in our own strength. So we have to surrender. We have to allow you to take us. That we are blind and we will not be able to see until we really surrender these things. Lord, I just pray that you order our steps. I pray that you heal our hearts. I pray that you renew our minds. Lord, I pray that you would reveal to us the areas in our lives that are still in the way between you and us. And Lord, never give up on us, as I know you never will. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen, amen, amen.